You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh. And she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. Something appalling, something that's galling. Shameless hypocrisy on Hannity tonight. Senseless rejections of fair elections Mocking democracy on Hannity tonight Nothing that's fair, balanced or true Libel and lies to boost revenue Old fabrications, new nauseations All things reflexively for right Tragedy tomorrow, Hannity tonight Tucker is whining, Ingram's maligning, Gutfeld is chuckling at Hattie tonight. Hero is shushing, Waters ambushing, Murdoch is suckling off Hannity tonight. All in for Trump, 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 hooray! Privately, they can't stand his age. Chucksters and shaman, red herring straw man, peace, love, and brotherhood, not white. Tragedy tomorrow, Hannity tonight. You got infected, they got injected. Deadly duplicity on Hannity tonight. Tortured linguistics, twisted statistics, noxious narcissity on Hannity tonight. Hearsay is cool, slander is fine, long as it helps the fox bottom line. Hope you enjoy a good paranoia, something to make you all uptight. Grievances and grouses, lunatics and louses, all of Roger Ailesmen and the pillow salesman. No irony, he meant what he said. When he said, journalism in this country is dead. Something that's stressful, something BSful. This time it all comes out of white. Tragedy tomorrow, insanity, and with Kennedy. Oh, 
yeah, that is Roy Zimmerman, along with a little help from Sandy and Richard Riccardi, or some, I think is their name, Sandy and Richard Riccardi, uh, joining in with uh, Roy Zimmerman on that song. Hannity Tonight, except I, I don't know how it works with cable, not news, because you know, TV is on strike. Not Well, not, not television, per se. The Writers Guild, they are on strike. So no late night shows um, <clears throat> until the writers come back. So if you're one who watches, fill in the blank, Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, The Daily Show, any of them, um, well, they're off because at midnight, the beginning of today, and strike of midnight. Last night, the Writers Guild went on strike. Now, I remember the last writer's strike, um, <clears throat> and it lasted quite a while. So, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, the only person I know, <clears throat> well, I, I probably know more, but, um, you know, one degree of separation is Laffy. Her husband, Mr. Laffy, is the uh, producer and writer on Naked and Afraid. And so, um, you know, so Seth Myers, that's right. None of these people can do a show without writers. Now, my writer might be as bad as my producer, <laughs> who forgot to start the YouTube stream <clears throat> at the top of the show today. Sorry about that. But, you know, I don't pay her anything. So uh, you get what you pay for, you know. <laughs> Anyway, um, welcome to a Tuesday. So, yes, the Writers Guild is on strike. No late night TV. Um, And Hannity tonight, I don't know. I'm guessing, and it's just a guess, that the writers over at the Fox Not News Network are uh, members of Writers Guild. So, can you imagine if Sean Hannity had to write his stuff himself? <laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck to all of them. Um, there, there's a bunch of ways I could go today. Let me just tell you that earlier this morning, I did watch much of the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing into the lack of any ethics guidelines at the Supreme Court. And we've had a few cases um, in recent weeks surface that show us that, uh, you know, those Supreme Court justices really could use some ethics guidelines. So they had a hearing today, and it was a um, very mixed bag. And I, I thought, okay, who can I call to give us the lowdown on what happened here? And um, it's our old friend Lisa Graves. And let me tell you, Lisa is somebody whose opinion I trust implicitly. She's as smart as they come. And a good person, too. So, you know, uh, those are two important qualities. Now, Lisa Graves <clears throat> knows this territory really well because she has served, I think, in every branch of the government as legal counsel. She was deputy assistant attorney general under both Janet Reno in the Clinton administration and John Ashcroft in the W administration. She also was um, a chief counsel for nominations at the Senate Judiciary Committee under then leader, under then chair Patrick Leahy. So she's had a number of other positions. You know, when Lisa comes on, I don't often give her, her entire resume just because it takes up half the show, but I should. I should tout her more often. Usually when she comes on, Lisa is speaking 
as a private citizen, giving her opinion, not speaking officially for her organization. But today, that's a little different because after the hearing, and I had already lined up Lisa to join us, I get a press release from True North Research, which is Lisa's organization that she directs. And uh, the headline reads, True North Research calls for an enforceable code of conduct for the U.S. Supreme Court. And then a little while later, I got another one. That was Lisa's statement. But we'll get it. We'll get it live. We'll get it live. So Lisa will join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Before we get there, there's other stuff, though, to deal with. And one thing I, I just need to get off my chest and other parts of my body. Um, last night, I'm watching uh, Ari Melber. You know, during dinner, we have something on, and it's usually, you know, we, we have Ari Melber on tape delay or Nicole Wallace on tape delay because we're usually eating around seven, and I just don't, I don't do Joy Reid. So anyway, the, last night, Ari Melber had, I know this is going to be a shock, so sit down, Michael Steele was his guest. I know it's so unusual to see Michael Steele on MSNBC. Oh, oh, wait. Sorry. Oh, I get Michael Steele is the one sleeping in the cot in the back office. So every time they need a guest, he's the one who comes in this month. Uh, Okay, stand corrected. Anyway, Michael Steele, former head, former chair of the RNC, was there as usual. And they were talking about You know, guns. I didn't get into it yesterday just because I didn't know what to say at this point. But there was another shooting. There are shootings every day. I know. It's like, why even bother anymore, right? But this time, it was in the town of Cleveland, Texas. And um, the story is just unbelievable, but too believable. So there's a family. They have an infant. They finally get the infant to sleep. The infant's trying to sleep. But the neighbor is shooting his assault rifle in the front yard while this family is trying to get the baby, you know, have the baby sleep. So apparently they tried calling the police a number of times, a number of times. The police didn't give them the time of day is is how it sounded from all the accounts that I've read. So... The wife, if I if I read this correctly, goes out into the front yard and says, hey, dude, you know, we got a baby. He's trying to sleep. Could you just stop? Well, not only did the guy not stop, he went back into his house. I guess he reloaded and went, marched over to the neighbor's house and summarily executed five people, shot them all in the head, including a nine-year-old little boy. And two of the women who were killed shot in the head. Um, were killed with their bodies draping over young children whose lives they saved. Which begs the question to me, these children, what is the rest of their lives going to look like? Can you imagine your mother was killed protecting you, shot in the head and her dead body laid on top of you until someone came and rescued you? Yeah, that kid's going to have a great life, don't you know? The whole situation is just so disturbing. So... Michael Steele is on with Ari Melber. 
And uh, yeah, Winston Smith said, I saw that Ari had Michael Steele on, and I did what I do whenever I see him. I turned the television off. Let's still have airtime on Morning Show. He has airtime on every show because it's the Never Trumper channel. Anyway, uh, it's my broken record here. I meant to pull the audio, just a clip, because they Michael Steele was tripping over himself trying to congratulate Florida, Florida, for... For um, in the wake of the uh, tragedy, the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, which is 10 minutes down the road from me, um, that the Florida legislature actually put in some uh, new gun restrictions, new laws. One of the things they did was raised the, uh, the gun buying age. From 18 to 21. They did a few other things too. Um, You know, a a red flag law got put into effect. They they actually did a couple of things. Let's see if I can find um, anything else. Now, this article doesn't really talk about the the other things they did. But see, so Michael Steele, with, with Ari Melber's help, was so busy falling over themselves, praising Florida for, you know, taking tiny steps you know, baby steps, but doing something at least in the wake of this horrific shooting that happened five years ago now already. Well, it's been five years. Don't you know, get over that shit already. She says sarcastically, because the Florida legislature that is now finally in its final week is actually, well, the House, not the whole legislature, the House just a couple of days ago passed legislation That would, again, lower the legal age to buy a rifle or a long gun from 21 to 18, rolling back part of those gun control measures that were passed into law after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School massacre in Parkland on Valentine's Day 2018. You know, don't give them credit that they don't deserve. So, you know, I did tweet at them. Of course, it got barely a notice, but I wrote at Ari Melber, at Michael Steele. I spent this, sent this out last night. You spoke tonight about Florida's new gun laws post Parkland shooting, but ignored the fact that under governor death sentence, they're trying to roll some of that back, like lowering the age to buy a gun back to 18. That's not going in the right direction. And please save your praise for somebody who deserves it. This is this is just insane already. Just insane already. While I'm on a roll, let me let me say one other thing. I know she got to news. I should get to some news because there is there's a lot of stuff happening that you need to know about. But you know what? I, I'm going to save this other thing for tomorrow because there's there's a method to my madness. But let me tell you this. So I, I said there's shootings every day, right? Um, at any time I open a news, there was sh- a shooting here in Florida. Um, and now I I, can't, I don't even know where that one is. Do I have it on my notes here? Let me see. Because um, I just had a whole thing. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Um, actually, you know, on Friday, David and I are taking our first trip in, you know, I want to say three years because of the pandemic. But it's been longer than that because we haven't gone anywhere in a long time. And we are going for the weekend to New Orleans. First time for both of us 
to, to that city where I've always wanted to visit. And it's also Jazz Fest. So I'm, I'm excited about it. And because I've been looking up stuff about Jazz Fest in New Orleans, of course, every, every alert comes to, you know, to my desktop and to my phone. So, um, and because I'm in radio, <laughs> I, I get a lot of alerts about radio people. Well, now we got two, two, two fucked up stories in one. Um, so, one of the best radio stations, in my humble opinion, I, I don't know why humble, I never worked there, um, is WXRT in Chicago. If you have really good taste in music, you like adventurous uh, rock, you know, uh, WXRT is, is a as a as a powerhouse, great radio station that has some great personalities. Well, Lynn Bramer, who did mornings there forever, just passed away. Terry Hemmert did middays on WXRT forever. Um, she retired a few years ago, I believe. Well, this story crossed my desktop this morning. Terry Hemmert was in New Orleans uh, on Friday outside Mandina's restaurant. In New or- I'm reading this report. In uh, New Orleans' mid-city neighborhood, Hemmert and friends were drinking at the restaurant when a shooting took place. Go, go figure. New Orleans police reported they believe two people targeted a waiter who was killed by gunfire. Uh, family members identified him as Hilbert Walker III, 23 years old. A private security guard returned fire was not, not injured. Hemmert was in New Orleans celebrating her 75th birthday. And here's what she wrote on Facebook. Quote, 28 of my precious friends were hitting the floor. I looked to my right. Two very special women were on the floor by my feet. There was blood and a bullet hole in the wall two inches from me and a bullet in my friend's back. It was surreal, but it was real. Only too real. Somebody died. Nobody we knew, but somebody's son, somebody's brother. I'll spare you some details, but the point here is that when you get tired of hearing about these shootings, think again. Hemmert's friend is in stable condition after being taken to a local hospital. She said she didn't, uh, didn't go to Jazz Fest. Instead, she, I guess, was thankful that she's still alive. So I figured David and I will probably go to that restaurant thinking there was already a shooting there, you know, during Jazz Fest. There probably won't be another one. Lightning doesn't strike twice. But, that, you know, this is, the, this is the deal. Every time you walk out the door in this, the United States of America, any town USA, you are in danger of being shot and killed. That's just the reality of it. That is part of the price of living in the greatest nation on the world. Oh, please. Yes, a server at the restaurant was killed, and that's uh, uh, apparently who was being targeted. It's just just stunning. Um, in other news, from opposite world, and you know, here in Florida, yeah, I'm not going to let them get away with anything, and I'm not going to let Michael Steele, he preys on Florida for doing the smallest, minutest thing possible in response to a mass shooting, and then not calling them out for rolling back some of those protections. Now, you know, again, they're, they're, they're careening towards the end of this legislative session. 
So what does DeSantis sign into law today? A bill, I'm just going to read it because I can't paraphrase this. A bill banning state agencies and local governments from taking climate change and diversity factors into account when investing money. The Government and Corporate Activism Act targets ESG, or Environmental, Social, and government Governance Standards. They're derided as woke by DeSantis in the Republican-dominated legislature in their, their culture war battles. Democrats and some business owners say the law could cost the state money and impact municipal bonds. You think? It's just astounding. Uh, at an event in Jacksonville, death sentence called ESG, quote, an attempt by elites to impose idea. Oh, I should do it in his voice. An attempt by elites to impose ideology through business institutions, financial institutions, and our economy writ large. Sorry, there was a, there was a, uh, uh, yeah, there was a, um, a facial <laughs> motion to that too, the head tick, that DeSantis voice. He said, they want to use economic power to impose this agenda on our society. And we think in Florida, that is not going to fly here. Hi, David. Hi. Long time no see. Yeah. So this is a situation where they don't want to invest in companies that have diversity, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yet, there's over $200 million worth of Florida pension funds invested in Russian companies that have been there mm-hmm. since the invasion of Ukraine mm-hmm. that DeSantis refuses to divest from. So Vladimir Putin, you know, I guess because he's not woke, yes, it's, it's fine for the money to be there, but to invest in a company that might do something good about the environment or might you know, take diversity and inclusion into consideration mm-hmm. when they make a, a deal? No, that they don't want to do. No, you can't do that. You certainly can't do that. Oh, and by the way, CNN announced that they're having a town hall meeting next week with Donald Trump. What? Yeah, uh, here's here's the... Here's the announcement. CNN announced it's holding a town hall where the former guy will take questions from Republican and undeclared voters who are planning to participate in the 2024 Republican primary. This is going to happen in New Hampshire next week. Um, and, oh, my favorite CNN spokesmodel. Um, it's not really a spokesmodel. Uh, what's her name? Um, Caitlin Collins, who I just cannot stomach. Look, I, I, I'm not your typical um, immediate consumer. I'm more critical than the average person. Um, <laughs> and I am. But really, can you imagine, you know, after all the bad-mouthing the former guy has done uh, uh, about CNN, now they're just throwing open the door. Come on! And then Caitlin Collins and the uh, poppy, whatever her name is, who still do the morning show after Don Lemon was fired, um, were just like talking about it without any sense of irony whatsoever. Oh, Donald Trump is going to do a town hall with us. Yeah, well, he is the Republican frontrunner, don't you know? Oh, my God. Okay.
Yes. Uh, yeah, CNN Town Hall will be hosted by former Blaze TV presenter. And that's where Caitlin Collins comes from. You know what? She's a ballsy young lady. But um, uh, Chris has an interesting comment. He says, I think CNN is handing Trump more rope to hang himself. Perhaps. Perhaps. But, yeah. Jesus Christ. I, I, just, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Um. So, uh, all right, let's do uh, one other thing. Okay, a couple of things. Before Lisa gets here, we are going to pivot to the, um, uh, there's so much more. Oh, let me, let me, two more stories that I, that I, that I didn't get to. And because I'm not doing what's news anymore, if I don't get to them, they don't, I don't get to them. Um, Two announcements yesterday that were sort of troubling. Now, look, I have no great appreciation for Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland. I just worry in a, at a, in a year that the map is kind of rough that there's another Democratic senator who's not running for re-election. But this gives us a wonderful opportunity because this is Maryland. And Jamie Raskin is in Maryland. And I say, Ben Cardin says he's not seeking re-election. Happy retirement, sir. Go home and enjoy your grandchildren. Please take Diane, Diane Feinstein with you and a few others while we're at it, but I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, in the meantime, um, uh, <laughs> uh, let's draft Jamie, Jamie Raskin to run for that Senate seat. Because can you imagine Jamie Raskin in the Senate? Hell yeah. So there's that. The other bit of bad news is perhaps... The best governor in the country today is also not seeking re-election. Governor Jay Inslee of Washington State, who is so popular, he's already in his third unprecedented term. And the word is that if he decided to uh, keep going and run for a fourth term, he'd win. He'd just walk away with it. But he says he won't. He said it's time to... Uh, turn things over to the next generation. Hey, Diane Feinstein, you listening? Next generation. Anyway, it is sad because um, Jay Inslee is doing so much good. Now he he ran for the um, uh, uh, the presidency four years ago. He was part of that that um, uh, uh, primary with a million candidates and. Uh, He, you know, no one paid him any attention. And this is going to sound so shallow. And it's not me speaking. I'm just throwing it out there. Jay Inslee should have corrected his lisp years ago. If you are a politician and you aspire to the highest office in the land, take care of the lisp. I had a lisp in elementary school and I had speech, a speech, uh, therapist who came in once a week. And thankfully, I got rid of my lisp for the most part. I think I'm still a little sibilant at times. But I I never understood why um, people who are in the public eye and have little speech impediments like that don't get them fixed. It, it, It takes a little bit of work, but it's something that can be corrected. And I think it would have done wonders for Jay Inslee's national uh, profile. I know it sounds shallow, but you know what? We are shallow people. We are shallow people. Um, 
Yes, and, and, and Diane Russell says, odd, I didn't notice it on Mano last night. And to me, it stands out. It's sort of like, um, who else? Oh, Sheldon Whitehouse. It's also my complaint about him. It's so easy. Get a speech therapist. And you can change that. Anyway, also, Gordon Lightfoot died. You know, we're at that age. We're at that time when <laughs> we are. Um uh, a lot of our the, the people we grew up with are dying. And so <clears throat> we acknowledge it and we move on and we say, you know, still here. Karina says, like correcting Biden's stutter? Kind of. Stutter is more extreme than a lisp or a glottal like Chris Christie and some of the other people who they can't say their L's. It sounds like they're they're choking on their spit. It's because I listen with such a critical ear. I know it's not right, but I do. What can I tell you? All right. Um, I'm drinking my coffee smoothie today again because I don't sleep well at night. So <laughs> when uh, the afternoon hits, like 4 o'clock, I hit a wall and I just want to go to sleep. So knowing that I have a show to do at 5, I grab my, um, <clears throat> my trusty BlendJet 2. I BlendJet 2. I take the leftover coffee from the morning which is now room temperature, pour it in the blend jet too, put in a little bit of uh, cacao powder, a little bit of sweetener, a little bit of milk, um, a lot of ice, and I blend it up, and it's better than... Oh, shoot. <laughs> you gotta Now that I have this new fangled top that you can just open it um, to sip out of it without unscrewing the whole thing, you have to remember before you turn the, um, uh, the, 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 the blender on, to close the thing because I've had eruptions before. Anyway, there we go. Now it's not erupting. Um, but I, I have a great smoothie every day and it's my mid-afternoon pick-me-up. Um, and it's only possible because of my BlendJet 2. Um, they have come in all kinds of colors. They even have Disney branded ones for your little kids. Uh, they fit in the car uh, beverage holder. They're really uh, convenient and they make great smoothies. Um, right now, we've got a special offer. If you go to blendjet.com, use the promo code FEEDME12, you get 12% off your entire order and two days, two day free shipping. Um, so enjoy. Um, blendjet.com, promo code FEEDME12. All right. So here we are. Um, uh, all right. So Lisa's going to be along in a few minutes. Before she gets here, there's a couple of things I want to share with you. First of all, yes, Lisa Graves, for those of you who are just joining us. Lisa is, um, uh, she is a great legal mind. She was a deputy assistant attorney general in two administrations, one Democratic, one Republican. She was the chief counsel for nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee under then chair um, uh, Patrick Leahy. She's held all these positions in government. She knows of what she speaks. And that's why this morning when I turned on the TV and I started watching this hearing out of um, D.C., out of the Senate Judiciary Committee, on the ethics dearth in the uh, Supreme Court, I thought, oh, that's we got to get we got to get Lisa on today to talk about this because she is a, a, somebody, a legal mind who I trust implicitly. And she she knows her shit. Um, in fact, so I knew that she had testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee just a couple of years ago 
on a on the same topic. And in fact, when I um, I pulled up the transcript, or actually, what I pulled up is her written statement from. Um, that appearance. And it was, uh, let me pull up, the transcript is right here. It was, uh, the date was, come on, March 10th, 2021. It was uh, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee Subcommittee on Federal Courts, Oversight, Agency Action, and Federal Rights. And I have her written testimony. And so when they do a statement, you know, they submit the written testimony and then they present a shorter version of that written testimony. Now, I'm looking through the transcripts, and sure enough, we all learned about Harlan Crow just a few weeks ago, thanks to an investigation by ProPublica, right? Lisa Graves told us about Harlan Crow two years ago. Again, it was March 10th, 2021. Here's a little bit. Of Lisa, unfortunately, the part where she mentioned Harlan Crow did not make it uh, out of her out of her uh, you know submitted remarks into the 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 spoken remarks. But here's a little bit of Lisa's testimony before the committee. Again, this was 2021, March of 2021, right at the you know in the depths of COVID. So she was testifying over Zoom from her home, and here's a little bit of what Lisa said three years ago, two years ago. Just as judicial appointments have become a de facto political campaign, getting a case heard by the Supreme Court and submitting coordinated amicus briefs has become a de facto form of lobbying. The number of amicus briefs before the court has soared in recent years, as the National Journal found, saying, uh, saying that justice decided those briefs in 65% of the cases last term. In preparation for this hearing, the Center for Media Democracy examined a sample of amicus brief, briefs <clears throat> pardon me, in five cases. By searching tax records, our researchers found that between 2015 and 2019, a total of $116 million was donated by just 12 funding vehicles to 18 repeat player groups that filed amicus briefs in three or more of those cases. $40 million of that came from three right-wing donor advised funds, Donors Trust, Donors Capital Fund, and Bradley Impact Fund. Another $47 million came from Coke-related entities. I'm telling you that it's well past time for there to be mandatory disclosure of the major donors of those effectively lobbying the Supreme Court. You think? Finally. Finally. The lack of a binding code of conduct for the Supreme Court means our highest court has the lowest binding ethical standards. None. That's in and my that, written statement. That's be- that's what you needed to hear. Our highest court has the lowest binding ethical standards. None. That's Lisa Graves in 2021 testifying before Congress. Now, in her written testimony uh, that she submitted, which she didn't have time to read the entire thing, let me share with you just a tiny bit of, of what she said as, as, as she tries to bring it up here real quickly. Um, uh, okay. First, there's the court's refusal to require litigants to disclose who the major funders are of groups filing amicus briefs, not just those that earmarked funds specifically for the litigation. This is an area of willful ignorance by the court and one that demands reform. Second, she writes, she wrote, uh, there's the problem of gifts, including gifts from friends. 
Perhaps, and this is a quote, perhaps the most egregious known example of this involves Justice Thomas. As the New York Times reported, after Thomas became a federal judge, he reportedly met Harlan Crow, the CEO of Crow Family Holdings and an heir to the fortune made by his dad, who was the largest landlord and real estate developer in the U.S. At the time, Crow had already been a trustee and funder of the American Enterprise Institute, a right-wing think tank that pushes for changes in federal law and regulations. Crow also co-founded the Club for Growth, which spends money to influence elections in favor of Republican candidates and has spent millions on super PACs trying to help Republicans win the White House. And in parentheses, she adds, he's also known for his extensive private collection of statues of dictators. And here, I thought we just learned all this now, but no, Lisa Graves told us all this two years ago. And Lisa Graves returns to the show. Hey, Lisa. Ah, Lisa, you hear me? Oh, thank yeah. you so much for having me on, Nicole. Oh, uh, that was, uh, uh, re- I really appreciate that introduction. Well, you know, you deserve, look, you called them out on this two years ago. Um, you, you, you said it in testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Was nobody paying attention? Well, you know, uh, I, I think that what happened this uh, this spring is that people's um, concern about the Supreme Court has increased so much because of the extreme decisions that have come down since Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed, giving them giving the right wing faction, you know, the power to dominate the court and begin stripping us of our rights. That that information uh, that I testified about. Um, you know, had 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 more resonance, but it wasn't just me. There was obviously a just fantastic investigation by ProPublica, by three reporters who really did a lot of shoe leather work to go and interview the yacht crew and the uh, the workers at the yeah. at the um, res- resort like place of the Adirondacks to get the photos of the super. Uh, the super yacht and the private jet and to uncover, um, you know, additional details that really make, um, you know, bring to life uh, in visual ways the story of just how much money this billionaire has spent uh, on Clarence Thomas and that he has not disclosed, including one trip where the travel alone was uh, is valued at, at nearly a half a million dollars for the right. private private plane and private yacht over in New Zealand. So they really uh, they their investigation it was just top notch, and I'm just so glad to see it all coming to light. I will say that um, last year we did uh, my team at True North did uncover the photo of the painting with of Clarence Thomas with Harlan Crow and Leonard Leo that's now been seen sort of round the world. Um, and that was because we were investigating the fact that um, you're going to love this, Nicole, or maybe not love it, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, right uh, in the middle of the um, Ketanji Brown-Jackson nomination, the Judicial Crisis Network, which is one of the main operations linked to Leonard Leo, the guy who you know has helped pack the court with all the with his dark money network, that group, Judicial Crisis Network, announced a 1.5 million dollar ad buy. Um, in the Ketanji Brown-Jackson nomination. But when the ads ran, it turned out they were really a promo for Clarence Thomas. They said, oh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson doesn't like Clarence Thomas. And then it was all about Thomas. Well, that ad campaign was spent right before the revelation revelations came out 
that Jenny Thomas had been texting Mark Meadows to try to to support the the overthrow, basically, of the of the rightful rightfully elected president, uh, soon to be uh, president of the United States, to really help uh, push the insurrection and promote what what is in essence a, a coup. Um, and so they knew that, you know, uh, Jenny Thomas wasn't called the day of the story about the story. Uh, the reporters have been trying to get a, a comment out of them for a while. And guess what happens? A $1.5 million gift from a, uh, funded by an anonymous source happens to run $1.5 million ads saying that Clarence Thomas is great. So when we looked into it, we saw that that that. Um, ad linked to a, a biopic about Clarence Thomas that was underwritten by guess who Harlan Crow. Oh. And, in, and in that, in part, not the only funder, but Harlan Crow. And it, and the shocking thing about that, besides that fact, is that it's that video, that biopic, where Clarence Thomas says he he just loves. He's a common man, basically. He just loves his RV. In fact. Uh, he loves his RV in the Walmart parking lot better than even being at the beach. <laughs> it's actually underwritten by the billionaire that had flown him on private jets to beaches um, around the world, um, taking him on yachts and, and more. And so, you know, just the, the audacity of making such a claim in that context uh, in a in a documentary funded by the guy who's been his benefactor, who's subsidized his lifestyle. Um, was just extraordinary. The whole thing is is extraordinary. And the way the Republicans on that committee were protecting Clarence Thomas and, and again, the gaslighting. Uh, I had to turn the volume down when many of these people spoke. For instance, Ted Cruz. What is wrong with this man? I'm, I'm going to play a quick, I'm just going to play the opening moments of his of his statement because i i couldn't take much more than that but there well here's what he said senate democrats and their lapdogs in the media are engaged in a twofold political campaign what number one to delegitimize the supreme court of the united states because the they're angry court. that there are a majority of constitutionalists oh, on the ang- court. oh okay but number two very directly this is a political campaign designed to smear Justice Clarence Thomas. (laughs) Because he's black. Yeah, because we're the racist ones. So the Democrats on the committee, all this is about is they want to delegitimize the Supreme Court and they've got a racist vendetta against the black man Clarence Thomas. Um, You know, Lisa, I always used to say I want to like debate a Republican, but I can't because all they do is lie and you can't debate someone who won't uh, who won't agree to the facts this is bullshit i i I just and and he wasn't the only one they're all doing this oh it was astounding to see uh the sort of crocodile tears of some of these uh, republicans who you know were so determined to defend thomas against really the indefensible yeah it's indefensible in any other environment uh it's morally indefensible it's legally indefensible in the sense that, like, these are not complex rules. Uh, federal employees across the United States government, uh, other federal judges know that they cannot accept gifts of travel. Clarence Thomas has chosen to defy that rule. It wasn't ambiguous at all. The ethics rules that the that Roberts, Justice Chief Justice Roberts, claims uh, they all adhere to, they plainly don't. No. 
And so if these uh, Republicans were not so determined to preserve this right-wing faction on the court at any cost, including the cost of the legitimacy of the court, they would join in bipartisan efforts to demand reform. Those reforms uh, are common sense. They apply to all judges regardless of party. They should apply to all judges regardless of party. No one is trying to have different rules for Democrats or Republicans. I've urged that, you know, the, the travel records for Scalia and Ginsburg be uh, obtained. Yes. Among other things because um, no one is above the law, not not anyone in the Supreme Court. But the fact is that Clarence Thomas has has routinely defied those rules. That includes um, the failure to disclose <clears throat> information about the sale of his house of his mom's house. All right, the billionaire who's been who's been supplementing, uh, in essence, supplementing Thomas's lifestyle, including, you know, creating statues for people, he, people Clarence Thomas wants to honor. Hey, cool trick. You don't have to spend the money. I'll spend it for you. Uh, that's still a gift in my book. I think it's a gift in any ordinary person's book, even if you don't keep the statue yourself. It's something that you wanted, that you desired, that a billionaire gave to right. you. Um, and, and Harlan Crow is no ordinary billionaire. He's a person as as you noted in my prior testimony from two years ago, um, has an agenda for our country, has an extreme agenda for our country, has engaged in an array of political activities in order to accomplish that agenda, including uh, what uh, another facet which which uh, has not really been focused on, funding the group that, that pushed forward the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth lie against Kerry back in the 2004 election. Uh, he also donated to a group that was instrumental in pushing forward, guess who, uh, Roberts and Alito for their seats on the Supreme Court. Of course. So this is a billionaire that has an agenda. He's someone who uh, clearly has deep ties to Leonard Leo, who's been at the center of this court packing scheme. And it's certainly disappointing to see these Republicans uh, on that committee do anything and everything to try to uh, stop, you know, reasonable, rational, common sense reforms of the Supreme Court, especially in the face of John Roberts' abject failure to protect the integrity of the court. I was also disappointed in some of the witnesses, including uh, Michael Mukasey. Oh my God! He bent over so far backwards. He had he had, he absurdly claimed that he would have accepted that five hundred thousand dollars worth of free travel to New Zealand too. Uh, because he uh, it, because he he would rather not offend a friend if he were in the same position as Thomas. Well, I've got news for you. If you're a judge on the Supreme Court or any other court, your job is to put the law above your friendships. That's right. In fact, the oath requires you to do so. So, you know, it was just really astonishing claim after claim, but not the least of which was the assertion that the very Congress that created the rule that says a, the Supreme Court forum uh, requires four justices somehow doesn't have any power uh, to to enact rules governing the Supreme Court or perhaps even other courts regarding ethics, even though uh, for decades, if not century, you know, two centuries now, that has been an unquestioned component of congressional jurisdiction and oversight. The Constitution provides that the people on the Supreme Court can only serve during good behavior. This behavior by Thomas and some of the others, quite frankly, is the definition of not good behavior. Right. And the way that these everyone from Lindsey Graham on down was bending over backwards, twisting themselves up like pretzels, making excuses for these ethical lapses. And I'm being really generous here uh, by these 
um, Republicans. And, and for Ted Cruz to say, oh, the Democrats, they just want to delegitimize the Supreme Court. No, the, the people that they have put on the Supreme Court in the last few years did that by themselves. Um, well, you know, I mean, the, the other part of that is this this invention of the term that it's it's those appointees who are so-called constitutionalists or please. textualists. I mean, if you can't read the text of the financial disclosure rules uh, and the instructions that say travel doesn't uh, is does not count as a gift of hospitality, you have no business interpreting our Constitution right. uh, and restricting our freedoms. Quite frankly, these are not. These are not complex rules. These are pretty simple, um, pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Uh, and also the longstanding sort of uh, g- general ethical principles for judges are that you should not gauge, engage in any conduct that creates an appearance of bias or impropriety or, or creates impropriety itself. And so certainly taking gifts from a billionaire, a particularly a, a very politically active billionaire, creates the appearance of impropriety in anyone's book. And anyone who doesn't have the extreme partisan lenses of these uh, right-wingers on the Senate Judiciary Committee um, can see that. Americans can see that with their own eyes. And that's why the polling has been so bad for this court, because people get it. Even if um, these some of these politicians are trying to basically say the emperor has clothes or John Roberts is trying to suggest, oh, no, we follow these rules. Well, you know what? The American people can see with their own eyes that these rules are not being followed, mm-hmm. that, that Roberts is not enforcing them. And in fact, just to contrast what we've seen in the past year, you had a situation where an opinion, a draft opinion, Supreme Court was leaked and Roberts sprang into action and, you know, called for an immediate and probing investigation. But when news has broken, when when I testified about Thomas, when Mike McIntyre wrote that story about Thomas, when the, the ProPublica reporters wrote that story about Thomas, Roberts has been silent publicly. There's no indication he's ever investigated. In fact, I wonder if he himself told Thomas he didn't have to comply. He didn't have to reveal, he didn't have to reveal the travel. Thomas claimed he talked to, you know, several people who told him he didn't. I said, we need that under oath, under penalty of perjury, the names of each and every person in the government and outside the government who told Thomas he didn't have to follow the plain language of the law regarding the federal rules for um, hospitality and trips, let alone the disclosure rules um, that are, you know, part of the um, judiciary, the judiciary forms, in addition to just the common sense notion that a judge should not be seen as um, uh, palling around with some billionaire who befriended him after he became a Supreme Court justice. Exactly. You know, Lisa Graves, when you come on the show, and, and I always love having you on it because I so appreciate your expertise and you bring so much of it to us, um, you usually do it in the context of speaking as an individual, speaking for yourself, not speaking as the executive director of True North Research. But today, you actually are speaking as executive director of True North Research because um, – I started watching the hearing this morning and was screaming at the TV. And I thought, Lisa, and I emailed you about coming on. You said, yes. I asked, are you watching it? And can you come on today? And you said, yes. And yes. Right after the hearing ended, I got a press release from True North Research with a statement that True North Research calls for an enforceable code of conduct for the U.S. Supreme Court. And um, speaking with people from your group, and then later on, another release with your statement 
regarding exactly what you're talking about today. So now that we are talking in terms of your work at True North Research, tell us about True North Research. Tell people what you do over there. Well, we have a great little team. We are researchers uh, in defense of democracy and freedom. And what we do is we look at the people and groups and front groups that are trying to distort our democracy, including distorting our courts. And so, you know, what we're doing uh, day in and day out, though not 24 hours a day because we have to sleep some of the time, is looking at, uh, you know, some of it started with the Koch network and the money from Charles Koch, his political empire, and how he has sought to, you know, remake America in his own image, you know, attack, you know, uh, fair and progressive taxation to get big tax cuts for billionaires like himself um, and money for his kids and friends and billionaire network. But we've also looked a lot at Leonard Leo because he has played such a singular role in really trying to get a court that would impose not the Constitution, not, quote, constitutionalists or strict constructionists or textualists, but people who are willing to um, basically defy the statements they made to the Senate during the confirmation hearings and instead impose their personal, political, even religious beliefs as binding law on the rest of us, as we saw in the Dobbs case. We've also examined how some of these same uh, entities have come together to try to destroy the ability of um the EPA, for example, to regulate carbon, to try to uh, mitigate the climate changes that are underway, which we uh, documented extensively last year um, about the case that was uh, the West Virginia versus EPA case, where um, the these so-called constitutionalists invented a phrase that I assure you is nowhere in the Constitution. They said there's a, quote, major questions doctrine that was just invented, basically. Uh, this so-called major questions doctrine means that they can strike down agency um, rules that they think are major questions. Even if the agency has expertise and has authority, uh, you know, uh, from Congress, basic authority. They, they're, they're trying to have a more exacting delegation from Congress. Now, I, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but but this is a sort of a real politic, you know, with a K mm-hmm. move by this court because they know that th- there's not a one of them uh, that is not reading the news. Um, and some of them are quite close to some of these characters, particularly at the Federal Society. Um, and I'll pause there for a second just to say this is the same Federal Society where Neil Gorsuch spoke last year behind closed doors in a secret meeting with Federal Society members. This is the same Federal Society that announced the nomination that, that, that where they were hosting the a speech by Amy Coney Barrett when she when a nomination was announced for her to the Seventh Circuit. Like it was time to be announced while she was a speaker at the Federal Society. Wow. This is the same Federal Society that, um, you know, helped promote uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Samuel Alito and Roberts and Thomas, you know, over the years. And so anyway, back to the back to the, the main the main story there. Um, you know, this is a so-called doctrine. That's not a doctrine at all. It's a theory. It's a claim. It's an ambition of the Koch network and the uh, network of groups that are also funded by Leonard Leo. And it is an absolute invention. It's not the only one. We're facing a potential decision by this Supreme Court this term where they may try to invent a so-called, um, uh, you know, uh, theory about uh, state legislatures that claims that only state legislatures can make decisions about maps, that courts have no <laughs> right. role in it. So yeah. this is an activist, extremist court. I'm happy to talk with you about it uh, and the work that we do to try to expose it. 
Um, the court's illegitimacy is a product of its own actions and the actions of justices who fail to hold themselves to the highest standards. Uh, and in fact, I would say to really any standards at all. And and this is right in your wheelhouse, Lisa Graves, because, uh, and again, as I said earlier, I don't, when you're on, when you come on, I don't always recite all the positions you've held because it takes up a long time. But one of your many jobs where you have worked in, in like every branch of the government, especially in this area, for instance, you were Deputy Assistant Attorney General in the Office of Legal Policy and Policy Development at the U.S. Department of Justice, where you vetted judicial candidates, including reviewing financial disclosures. So this is right in your wheelhouse. This is what you know. And when this started, stuff started coming out of Clarence Thomas, and although that's been going on for years, um, your head must be exploding. Well, I, I I was astonished. In fact, the first time I um, was asked a reporter about this was 2011, um, as revelations were breaking that Thomas had not revealed um, the income of his wife, Jenny Thomas, when she was employed by some of these groups that had been funded by Charles Koch uh, and uh, Harlan Crow um, and and uh, others, as we've we've now learned or learned then, um, and also um, that uh, that the Thomases were. Um, the beneficiaries of gifts of travel from Harlan Crow, And so I probably am one of the only people who's worked in all three branches of the federal government uh, around these issues, around these financial forms, and also other types of disclosures and and finances. Um, So it is right in my wheelhouse. And quite frankly, it's shocking. Um, As I said in my press release, um, these forms are pretty straightforward. In fact, they're often uh, filled out by the judge's secretary. Here's all the trips you took this year. Here's the value. Here's who paid for it. Right. Um, the financial disclosures, which are in these these complicated ran- ranges, like a, a, a stock holding of zero to fifteen thousand, or fifty thousand or more, or hundred thousand. You know, that's typically filled out by the accountant of a judge. Um, who does their, you know, taxes or whatever. And then the judge reviews it and signs it. Um, And so, you know, the idea that Thomas can't fill out this form or can't fill it out accurately or refuses to do so, or that Neil Gorsuch, you know, is sitting on a property on the Colorado River for years trying to sell it for a primo dollar, can't sell it, and then like less than two weeks after he's confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court, suddenly there is a buyer And that buyer happens to be basically the manager of one of the biggest law firms in the country that has a ton of business before the court, like not revealing the name of that buyer. Um, Thomas, not revealing the fact that the guy who bought his mother's home and, oh, by the way, uh, lets her live in it for rent free after he renovated it, that that guy was Harlan Crow. Right. These are um, active, in my view, active overt omissions. They're directly trying to keep the public from knowing their interests. Um, and, you know, and, that, and that's not all. You also have a scenario where we don't know who Jenny Thomas's clients are, who's also yep. feathering the nest of Clarence Thomas and Jenny Thomas. Jane Mayer wrote a story last uh, January, I think, where she, she found that there was at least one group that was most certainly her client who has had business before the Supreme Court. I suspect there are many more. Um, then you have Amy Coney Barrett and her husband's uh, uh, consulting or legal practice, where again, um, there's no disclosure. There's none required, but it should be of who his clients are and whether they have business before the court. Then there's Thomas. I mean, then there's Roberts himself, 
whose wife quit her job at a law firm under the auspices of saying she didn't want to have any conflict and began a practice of working as basically a headhunter for big law firms that have business before the court in helping them hire lawyers uh, for those firms and has made a fortune. In fact, the story that came out just this past week said she's the most successful person in that firm. Imagine why right. her husband just happens to be the chief justice of the of the United States of America. Yep. So this 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 um, court is you know riddled with problems. Then there's Alito. I forgot to mention. How could I forget to mention him? Uh, where you have um, uh, a situation in which. The, the right-wing uh, religious groups that were targeting the court for influence over the Hobby Lobby case yep. and other cases, in, including, you know, trying to assert that corporations have religious rights and that, you know, we shouldn't have our reproductive rights and more, that they thought that Alito, Thomas, um, and Scalia at the time were the most receptive to their influence campaigns. And though Alito has denied that he was receptive or that he shared information about it, there's no doubt contemporaneously that the groups who were part of that story knew about it and they say it was from him. Yep. But he also went on a fab vacation to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, that has not really ever been fully uh, disclosed, like who was there. Um, and then if I could just circle back to Thomas again, uh-huh. you know, he's on these yacht trips um, and resort vacation trips with who knows who. That's right. Who's, who's, uh, who, who's Harlan bringing along with him who also may have business before the court? Um, you know, so this is just, it's just a nest of, of you know, uh, the appearance of impropriety, if not actual impropriety. I think there is actual impropriety in my personal opinion. But certainly I believe that this court needs to be reformed. I think there are a lot of reforms, including ethics reforms, but also term limits. Um, we need to we need to restore the integrity of the court. And I don't think that the chief justice or his pals on the court, whether they're best buddies or not, are appear to be in any position to actually restore the integrity of the court based on their actions or inaction. Uh, no, I think you're right. And and the deception just continues. You got the you we saw the Republicans on the committee today just providing cover where, you know, if the tables were turned, which they wouldn't be. But say it was Elena Kagan who was taking these trips. You know, those Republicans would be screaming for her head on a platter. Um, the hypocrisy is disgusting. And I, I've been warned by, you know, other smart people. Uh, enough with the hypocrisy. Yeah, they're hypocrites. What else? Um, everything else. They, they make shit up. And they, you know, just when we think, okay, maybe Fox will uh, get shamed into or, or, you know, taken to the bank over their lies and their... Uh, they're they're just complicity in in backing false information and feeding it to the American public and calling it news. And they had to pay seven hundred eighty seven million dollars that maybe that'll stop. But you have these idiots who are elected to office who think that it's OK to lie. The American people to just give cover to their criminal friends. It's astounding that that we are we're living in an opposite world where criminals lie and the politicians swear to it well you know i i mean there's a lot there but i i I have to say one of the things and i know we're running out of time but one of the things that astonished me when i went to work for the senate judiciary committee was i'd been a lawyer at the justice department during the clinton impeachment period i wasn't involved in it and and as everyone knows who remembers the impeachment was about uh uh Bill Clinton lying about sex, whether he had sex with with that woman, with Monica yes, Lewinsky, with, with another woman, actually, but uh, sorry. But, you know, he was, it was about lying about sex, which 
um, you know, some might consider it to be a sympathetic lie to an ordinary person, you know, uh, but it was the president and it was a serious matter and he was impeached for it. And some of the same people who led that impeachment for lying, like Lindsey Graham and others, uh, you know, I got to the Senate and I was quite frankly astonished to see uh, the number of false statements deceitful claims and others being put forward by Graham. It wasn't that I believed that they were right or wrong necessarily. Um, I certainly had views about it, but I just was not prepared for the level of lying by the people who would impeach a president for lying. And then fast forward to the past four years or past six years and having them just, uh, you know, kiss the, uh, the ring of Trump, despite so many documented lives, it is genuinely astonishing to me. It Even is. to this day, it still astonishes me, Nicole. Um, and I was disappointed by their by their state many of their statements today. It was really, um, in my view, reprehensible how dissembling they were. Um, but the bottom line is, is the truth is on our side. The American people get it. Um, they know this court is it has really um, is really failing in its responsibilities, um, and uh, the polls reflect that. Right. Right. Uh, we just have to hope good wins out over bad, but hope is not enough. We need to, we need to have, you know, boots on the ground and bodies showing up at the voting booths, uh, in numbers that we've never seen before <clears throat> because it, we, we need to do it. The American people are with us. We can't let the, the minority who lie their way into power win. We just can't. Well, and I hope that we can actually restore confidence in the court because it is important for us to have fair courts. It's important for people to have judges who are not biased, who they can get a fair shake from. And unfortunately, that's not the court we have. Instead, we have a court that's been emboldened. Um, that is that that you know many of many of them think they basically should be millionaires or treated like millionaires uh, if they weren't when they got to the court, and um, they are routinely deciding in favor of some of the richest interests on earth, including. Koch's agenda, Charles Koch's specific agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, we have a, a crisis um, that surrounds this court, a dark money. It's engulfed by dark money. Um, and we have a lot of work to do to restore our democracy and make it stronger and healthier yep. um, and to protect our freedoms from assault by this very court. Yeah, we do. Um, and we don't have much time to do it uh, because everything is at stake here. Uh, so it's all hands on deck time, but it's been. <laughs> we just need to we need to keep uh, pushing that memo. Uh, Lisa Graves, thank you so much for joining us today and for shedding some light onto this. It was a it was a dis, it, you know when I mentioned uh, I walked out you know I was in my office watching the thing and I walked out into the living room and David had something else on the TV I said you're not watching the hearing the Senate judiciary hearing on you know the lack of ethics in the Supreme Court he's like why they're not going to do anything about it it's a hearing it's not going to change anything what will change this Lisa last question how do we fix this well, I think it's it, the change is a process. And so I feel like there's just growing momentum, growing understanding of what's wrong with this Supreme Court and the need to reform it. You know, the revelations by these different investigative reporters will help put in context, not just last year's decision in Dobbs and that EPA case, but the decisions to come. And all of that will help will help build momentum for change. It can't happen in this Congress with the House being so captured by the far right. Um, and with the filibuster as it currently exists in the Senate. But that doesn't have to be the way it is forever. There are, you know, future Congresses, future Senates 
um, and future opportunities to fix this. And I think we're going to have to fix it if we want to have any credibility for the legal system, because the, if the head, if the, if the fish rots from the head, it is rotting right now. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt to be continued. Um, because we've got a lot of problems. <laughs> this is a big one. Uh, Lisa Graves, find her at truenorthresearch.org. Go there. Check out the work they're doing because it's so important. Uh, and follow Lisa on the Twitters, the Lisa Graves, and, you know, wherever else. And, and here, where we're yeah. so lucky to have her uh, join us every now and then. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, Lisa Graves, everybody. I, I'm so grateful to Lisa for her expertise and for her um, you know, sharing, uh, sharing her knowledge with us because she does come to this from a whole different perspective, a very informed perspective. And, and, and that's why she's even more dismayed and disgusted by what's going on than we are because she knows what should and shouldn't be. Okay. We're already in overtime. So let me, uh, a couple of things to share with you. One, Errol in the chat room asked, why did you stop doing what's news? I stopped doing what's news because it's a whole lot of work and I wasn't getting anything for it. Um, you know, I started doing this almost eight years ago for um, progressive voices when they first, you know, put my show on their on their channel. And it was um, by way of appreciation and a way to promote what I do because at the end of each What's Newscast, I would promote, you know, the show and the fact that we are listener supported and ask for donations. And the thing is, it didn't really bring in much. Um, now, I know that I am not the pushy fundraiser. Uh, I worked in public radio for a while where we had to do the pledge drives, and I can do that. I don't like the strong arm stuff. It's why the show has never been behind a paywall. And I still refuse to put it behind a paywall, even though I'm not making enough money to live doing it. Um, I stopped doing What's News because Progressive Voices wasn't paying me to do it. And eight years was enough because it wasn't uh, being monetized. So, um, you know, if someone wants to cough up the money, for boy, we, we got uh, sun streaming in these windows, um, to, to, you know, to compensate me for the work, I'd love to do it. I just can't keep working for free. That's why some of you mentioned ads popping up into the middle of the YouTube broadcast. Sorry, uh, or not, not sorry, because I need to earn a living. And so I am doing what I can. I tried to give you guys a chance to avoid the ads, but I guess we need to do it the way others do it and put in advertising because I need to get paid for the work that I do. And, you know, it may seem really easy, but I promise you, I work really, really hard, um, you know, to put the show together, to put the news together, to do what I do. And um, the honor system just isn't working. So we will be bringing in more commercials. In fact, there's one I'm going to tell you about, and I'm just starting on this, but we have a new sponsor to the show. Um, let me pull up my notes if I can find them. Uh, of course, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, ah, um, no, I got to find it. So our new sponsor is actually a, a really interesting company. They're called BetterHelp, Better H-E-L-P. Now, 
If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that I suffer from depression. I have since adolescence. There, I've had years that have been better than others, and I've had some that have been really rough. Uh, the couple of years right after, right after, um, uh, right after Trump took office, were really, really hard on me. I did not do well. Um, and, you know, I've been in and out of therapy over the years, and uh, you may not realize this, or maybe you do, but last week I had a really, really rough week. It started out with gremlins in the studio, and it went downhill from there. And I didn't deal with it well. I had a meltdown. I have meltdowns from time to time. I suffer from depression and um, I don't know that it's anxiety, but whatever. We all have our own shit, and we need to deal with it as much as we can, right? And so this is a new way to deal with it. So I'm telling you, I, they came around at the right time. So I am embarking on um, therapy with better help. So here's how it works. You, uh, it's Everything is, um, is online, you, it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. What happens is you sign up at betterhelp.com slash Nicole Sandler. Use my name. You'll get 10% off your first month, which helps. Every bit helps, right? So you go there, and when you sign up, you, they give you a questionnaire, and you answer questions about what you want to get out of therapy, what's what's bugging you, what's happening in your life. Um, so you fill out the brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist. And um, so I have my first appointment with a therapist from BetterHelp next week after we get back from New Orleans. And I'm really excited. In the meantime, there are all these classes that I can attend dealing with self-care or you name the subject and they have them. It's really quite interesting. So I hope this whets your curiosity a little bit to go check it out. We all need help now and then. This is a new way to get help. So check it out. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Nicole Sandler. And again, use slash Nicole Sandler will get you 10% off your first month. So check it out and see how it goes. I will keep you posted on my progress and let you know honestly how it works for me. But, you know, it's nice that there are new ways to get help when we need help. All right. With that, we are done for now. Um, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's Wednesday. Uh, we'll see what the day brings us. I, I don't know because, um, uh, again, I'm taking this week, each day as it comes. So um, I'll be back tomorrow and uh, we'll, I may open the, 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 the lines. Um, uh, Winston says, I really hate ads. I mean, I have an unusual hatred of advertising. This I can endorse. This is something we all need. See, here's the thing. I, as for the ads they insert on YouTube, I have no control over those. And again, if they really bug you, you wait three seconds and there's a skip button. You can, you can skip past it. I think they pause the video so you don't lose anything and then, you know, skip it. Or if you let it play, then I get two cents or some ridiculous thing like that. Anyway, but the, the ads that I read that I, you know, like the blend jet, like the better help, um, things like that. 
I'm presented with a whole lot of possibilities. These are sponsors who are interested in your show. I pick and choose the ones I want. So BlendJet, absolutely. I love this product. I think it's great. BetterHelp, well, I could really use that right now. So um, I'm still going to be, you know, very picky about what companies or products I will advertise. Part of the thing with BetterHelp is I said, I have to try it in order to endorse it. And I said, I will go, I will do it and I'll go through the program and I will share my experience. So, um, but that's something, look, we've had the mental health discussion on this program before. So hopefully someone will get help from it and I'll keep you informed as to how it goes for me. It might be the perfect thing for you. All right. Uh, With that, we're done. And I don't even have any what's news to share with you. So you know what? I'll say goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow. And I will leave you, I'll tell you what, I'll leave you with a song because here's one that I haven't played yet. Um, And it's from Don Karen. Don Karen has been quite prolific lately. He's the guy at Parody Project. He's been putting out like one a day for the last few days. So we'll go out with this. I will leave you with Don Karen and a thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you. What you did, but you did, yeah, you did, and it sank you. You never even did the stuff you said that you did, you just lied. So we'll spank you. You said about Obamacare repeal and replace, never meant a word of it, just pandering to your base. Promised to pass the greatest ever healthcare bill Left conditions free, existing as a license to kill Mexico never paid for a wall, not at all As I recall, and they thank you Didn't know where cost for the drugs people need Drop the ball, pharma thanks you Infrastructure bill to fix the bridges and streets Even though you said that you'd have all the receipts Didn't lower taxes for the struggling class America first transformed into America last Deficit you did in your last pro quo quid Your donors thank you Fizzled on the swamp drain Yes you did Who you trying to kid Swamp critters thank you Delivered nothing Got impeached a couple of times Even though you still maintain You didn't do no crimes Planned an insurrection That was convoyed by a coup all that time in office, that's the best you could do. 